Last week we had a wonderful um, service. We got to see everybody at one time. I get to see part of you today. I'll see part of another. But last week we got everybody in here. We started on a, a series that we had talked about um, God is greater, dot, dot, dot. And so last week we kind of dealt with God is greater than you think. And we talked about the universe and how if we were to take a little ball and use it as a model trying to shrink the universe down, that if I had a, a basically a, a workout ball, just one of those little uh, gym balls, that Pluto, if it was still a planet, I think they've disqualified it, but if it were, it would have to fit at Walmart. If, if you just tried to take it down to scale, if we tried to make it a scale, the universe using that little ball as the sun, then it would take a five-mile radius to be able to build the universe, just to take it down to scale. Our little bit of galaxy, our little small, we talked about how our earth would be like a marble, the size of a little white marble, and it would be somewhere out there between the garbage can and the road is how far away on scale that would be. Usually when they show it on TV or something, they just show the sun and the, you know, all the plant, but it's not like that. It's incredible in its scope. And what it's meant to do is, as the apostles and, and David and the psalmist and others said, when you look at the world, when you look at the universe, when you look at all that he's done, it's supposed to make you realize, I serve somebody greater, something greater than anything else in the world. It, I serve somebody who holds it all together. I serve someone I can trust because of his power and his might. Now, today I want to take it to another level. You would think that that would be the greatest thing in the world. I mean, all the stuff I showed you last week. But can I just tell you that science will tell you that that's not the greatest mystery? That is not the greatest uh, anomaly? That's not the greatest uh, thing to scale? In fact, you possess the greatest thing that the universe contains. Out, out of all the planets, the galaxies, all the stuff that we study, all the things we study under the ocean, your human mind is still beyond science understanding. It, 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 it cannot create a computer that can do what you can do. It cannot design anything that can do what you do. Inside your human mind, the ability to see something that it's attached to your brain, that it can come in upside down, then turn itself back up, go through your memory and tell you exactly who it was, when you saw them, not only tell you who it was and when you saw them, but bring back all the recollections and all the feelings of things that you have known about them for the last 20 years, all in one moment. There is nothing that can compare to your human mind. And science, with all of its ability and all of its study and all that it does, is marveled. That how did this happen? How did this take place? And it's important to understand this because we first have to grasp a God who is so large that he holds a universe. But secondly, you've got to understand there's a God that's so great and so mighty that as I entitled it today, God is greater than the thing that's stopping the thing. Look at the person beside you and say, God's bigger than the thing that's stopping the thing. That, that, how are you going to understand it? We'll get to it. Take me, take me at least four and five hours, but we'll get there. 
We use these phrases all the time. Even though we have this mind and we have this ability, we have all this, we use these phrases, I can't do that. Or we use the phrase that, that I'm just not qualified. I'm just not able. That, that's just not me. We, we try to all the time, even though we have this incredible gift and incredible ability given to us by an incredible God who holds the whole universe, it's easy for us to use these two phrases more than any others. I can't. I'm not. I can't. Can't do that. Look, I'm not able. I'm not, I'm not the right person. If we're not careful, we'll hear ourselves say that all the time. Hey, you need to help me with this. Oh, I can't do that. Hey, hey, you ought to start. No, no, I, no way I could do that. No, that's not me. I, I'm not able. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. One of the great teachers of the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. But there are certain things he's learned that we need to learn. And here's one of them. Therefore, I take pleasure in what? Infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. Wow, that sounds like an exciting list. Just a list we all are looking for. We're not looking to get relieved, healed, delivered. No, he says, no, what I rejoice in is I rejoice in the infirmities, the reproaches, the needs, the persecution, in the distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, I've learned something. That when I am in the weakest state, when I am humanly unable to deal with or to comprehend or to fix something, when I am mentally or emotionally unable to solve something, when I don't have the answer and I don't, can't fix a timetable and I can't make it happen, when I can't get that kid to do what I want him to do, when I can't get my job straight, when I can't get my life right, when I can't get my money to match, my bills, and when I can't do anything that I really want to do, here's the thing. I've learned that when I am weak, then I am strong. There's something here that we need to grasp. Go with me to 1 John 4 and 18. 1 John 4 and 18. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. It, it, it involves the pain of it. It's where those phrases come from in your life. I can't. I'm not able I don't, I don't think I'm able to. You need to find someone else. Why? Because fear is what creates the atmosphere for the, you to speak the things that stop you. It is the thing that is stopping the thing. It is the main thing that wants to enter into your life. In fact, we will study that it is more than just something that happens. It is a spirit that wants to attach itself to you. It's a spirit that says, let me have my way and I will protect you. I'll save you. When in reality, what it is, it is the thing that's keeping us from the thing that we were meant to be or to do or called. There is therefore no in love. For perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Well, I'm saved, Brother Lot. Well, that's great. You can still live in fear. 
Well, I believe in Jesus. That's wonderful. But you can still live in fear. You can still be sitting there making sure nobody sits within three seats of you because you're terrified of people. You can still make sure you sit as close to the back as possible because you don't want to shake nobody's hand because you're terrified of people. You don't want to get no more involved, no more. To, you, you, it doesn't mean that you don't believe, but it just means that fear is keeping you from what you're meant to be and meant to do. Let us look at this fear a little bit. In Psalms uh, 56 and 3, the psalmist says, When I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. And they don't have to pull this one up. In Proverbs 29 and 25, it says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Is fear good or bad? And that's, that's the first thing you need to get in your mind. Is fear good or bad? Well, fear is a little larger than we'd like to think. Just like the universe, fear is a little more. So what is fear? Well, fear is the feeling of anxiety or aggravation or are caused by the presence or real or imaginative danger or pain. doesn't have to be real. doesn't have to be anything you actually see. It just has to be something that you sense. Synonyms, in fact, I know if I told most guys, you're afraid. I'm not afraid. Well, then let me put it to you this way. There's a feeling of dread. There's a feeling of fright of what might happen. There's an alarm that's going off inside of you. There is a dismay. You're confused. You're not sure how it's going to work out. Does that sound better? How about if I just say it's a panic attack? That sounds real medical. Then it don't even sound bad at all because you can get medication for that. You know, I have anxiety, brother, a lot. Oh, so you're just, you're just terrorized all the time. No, 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 I have a condition. Panic attacks. Hyperventilating. Whatever you want to cause it, it's all the same thing. It's where your mind and your body are reacting, even though it is a supercomputer, even it has all of this, there's something inside of it that's saying you have a reason to be afraid. You have a reason to draw back. You have a reason to stop. You have a reason to rethink what you're doing. You have a reason to think you may be doing it wrong or going the wrong direction. You have a reason to maybe change course. You have a reason in your life because fear is a feeling of this dread. Fear is a feeling also of reverence toward God. That's amazing. That if I'm going to fear, I should be a person that's actually fearing God. Because remember last week we studied this, and so what you ought to have walked away last week with is this understanding of like, wow. Wow, God is like huge. And that's all. And that is the fear that we're supposed to carry with us all the time. So if the doctor says, look, I'm going to have to tell you, you got this. It's okay. I serve a God bigger than that. See, my fear is in the awe of God. I fear him because of his greatness and his mightiness and his just, just incredible, I mean, just beyond scale. There's no scale for him. In fact, we used the word last week, unfathomable. Your mind, which is this supercomputer that science cannot figure out, God looks at that mind and that computer and says, you aren't smart enough to think about me. 
You can create medicines, vaccines, you can build buildings, you can do this, you can imagine all, you can create airplanes, but your mind, as wise and as smart as I made it, cannot comprehend me. So the only thing that you ought to be in awe of or fear of or or just, just overwhelmed by is the thought of me. So God says that's one fear that's okay. So what are the different types of fear that that a person can go through? Well, if you ask science, they would tell you there's over 7,000 fears or phobias. I understand that. Growing up most of my life, I have a terror of sharks. I have a terror of them. And, and and, And it's just like from the time, I know I watched Jaws way too many times. That's all it was to it. I, I watched Jaws way. I, I still got the DVD, and every now and then I still put it. I'm thinking, why are you doing this? I love this movie. And, and it's just like at the same time, I, next time I go to the beach and I start to walk out in the water, I hear the music. Dun, 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 dun. I, I understand. But at the same time, what I love is terrorizing me. I love it, but I, I'm like, every time I see a report about somebody in Florida got attacked by a shark, I'm like, see, see, everybody gets bitten by a shark. I'm thinking, you don't think about the other 8,000 people that was in the water. So every one of us, we have fears. There, there, over 7,000 phobias. And, but see, there's paralyzing fear that makes a person unable to do what they want to or should do. There's protective fear, fear that, of real danger. You know, just like if you tell your child, look, don't, don't get around that fire. Don't. There's nothing wrong with that kind of fear because... That's a protective type of fear. But then there's illogical fear, fear when there is no basis for the fear. When something has already told you that it can't hurt you or harm you, but yet you still fear. In fact, listen, Proverbs 28 and 1 says this, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues him. One of the greatest curses on a wicked person is this. They're terrorized that somebody's trying to get their money or break in their house. Or get their stuff. They're, they're terrorizing. Somebody, you would think this would be the very person that walks up. Who are you walking up in my yard? Don't come up in my yard. Because here's the thing. They, they are running from something. They don't even know what they're running from. A wicked person fears what's coming all the time. That's why when you see people that are angry or upset, it's because you carry that all the time of this feeling of something's about to get me. I know that. Because I just did it for a few moments in the water when I'd wade out to my waist and, and, and couldn't see stuff and stuff floating under the water. And I'm thinking, what is this? And I'm thinking, if somebody had to live in that all the time, you go to work thinking, wonder what's going to happen today. If you go home, wonder what's going to happen today. If you get in your car, that becomes a weight, an everyday weight. So what are you afraid of? Well, let's just play with it a little bit. There are animals. I've already confessed mine. But see, that's not unbiblical because Amos 3 and 8 says, the lion has roared and who will not fear? So I'm just like, the shark has bitten. So who will not fear? I'm an animal person. Some people are afraid of people. We hear that in Genesis. Some are afraid of nations. You don't believe it? Should have seen our election terrorized of nations and who's going to be in power and who's doing this and so-and-so's building a bomb. and so it... We're afraid of war. 
We're afraid of enemies that we've got that are afraid they're going to get us. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of sudden panic, adversity, the unknown, limitations in life, consequences of our own actions that we're going to have to pay for something that we did in our past. And we know it's coming. We know sooner or later because when it, something bad happens, well, I deserve that. Well, I had it coming. You ever hear somebody say that? Well, I had it coming. They live their whole life afraid of what is supposed to get them. So what does fear then, when does it become sinful? When does fear leave the reservation? Because we all have them. We all fight against them. But when does it become unhealthy? When does fear become something destructive? Well, go with me in your Bibles to Numbers 14 and 9. Let me share a few of them with you. The first one, when there is nothing to fear at all. Because remember now, if I'm fearing God, and God is the greatest thing I'm fearing, then if He's spoken in something, if He's spoken to something, then, then I shouldn't be afraid. It's been a big test for us during this pandemic. This pandemic has been a huge test for us as Christians. Because we have a word from God about being healthy, about sickness and disease. In fact, He promised, He said, if you follow me and you trust me, this will not come nigh unto your door. He's promised in the New Testament, He said, if you drink any deadly thing, bitten by serpents, whatever it might be, while you're doing what I've called you to do, don't worry. It won't harm you. And it's been a big test for us because science and everybody and TV is, is played on one thing that they know that everybody has, fear. It's how we win elections. It's how we get somebody to do what, well, you know if you don't do this, what might happen? I love the commercials and the political commercials. You know, they're pushing grandma off the cliff. If you don't vote for us, they're going to cut all your money off and you're going to be living in welfare. Because so... fear is the easiest way to sell something. It's the easiest way, no matter what you want to do, is just to keep people afraid. In fact, right now what we're seeing in, in our science world is humorous because the, all they wanted to do was to help us, and now that they're starting to help us and they realize people aren't listening to them much anymore, now it's like, y'all need to stay afraid. But we got the vaccine and we're doing better and everything. Uh, we still need to be real, real careful. We just don't need to be doing Because before long, Dr. Fauci won't be important no more. <gasps> what will he do with the rest of his life? Right now, he's so important because he's the man calming everybody's fears. And don't get me wrong, there is a virus, and we need to get whatever you feel like vaccinated if you feel like it and not vaccinated. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that above that, my awe is not in Corona. My awe is in God. And wherever you fall on that list and wherever you fall, I'm good with. But listen to me, you live in fear long enough, it won't matter what you get or what you do, the vaccine won't keep you from fear. Dr. Fauci won't calm your nerves. Sooner or later, there has to be something bigger. 
and the fear of something that you can't see. Something that's not... Listen to this. This is Joshua standing there. God has already told them, I've given you the land. Get ready. Let's go get it. And everybody there, even though they've never even fought these people, never went against them, never had... Everybody that's on this side, only 12 even saw everybody. Nobody's even seen the enemy. And they're like, no, no, we can't do it. And Joshua rises up and says, only do not rebel against what? The Lord. He's already told you you can do it. He's already said you can do it. You ain't even seen them yet. You haven't even faced them yet. And you're already saying you can't win. Some of you are already saying we're like grasshoppers in their sight. You're already defeated and you haven't even fought the fight. He said, only do not rebel against not nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. That's God that created the universe, this God that solves problems. Later, Joshua will be so confident of this God that he says, I don't have enough time to win the battle, and God will stop time and move it backwards 15 minutes so he can finish the battle. This is how confident this Joshua is in a God much bigger than the people he's got to fight, much bigger than the cities he has to conquer, more bigger than the giants he will one day have to defeat. He says, my God is big enough if we will just not fear God, if we will just simply put God ahead of all the stuff that we're seeing. Number one, when there's really nothing to fear, God's already spoken over you. Number two, when you fail to trust God, Psalms 56 and 3 says, when I'm afraid, we all are afraid at times. I I stay afraid. I wake up every morning afraid. You're like, that doesn't say, no. If you wake up every morning and you've got all these responsibilities and all this stuff and all this, the first thing that's going to grip you every single morning is fear. I don't have to have an alarm clock. You get enough in your plate, you won't have to have an alarm clock no more. Your eyes about three or four or five o'clock just and you realize from the moment you open up, you already behind. You're like, oh, I need to get up already. I need already. You look over, it's four fifteen. There ain't even no daylight yet. I can't even get but it Why? Because because you're gonna wake up, but the question is, what do you do with it? What are you gonna do at that moment? The psalmist says, When I'm afraid, what do I do? I will trust in you. Number three, when fear is prompted by guilt, go with me to Genesis 33, 8 through 10. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This is Adam and Eve. In the cool of the day, and Adam, for the very first time in his life, he feels something. For the first time in Adam's whole existence, he feels something, and it is so devastating to him, it terrorizes him. And God walking in the cool of the garden of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. First time Adam's ever felt this emotion. The guilt of something he knew he's done wrong. And the dread of knowing that God's coming. And when he hears God's voice, 
You know, you know, that's why most people don't want to go to church. It's not because, it's not because they don't want their lives better or they don't want, it's the voice of God when they actually hear it. They're sitting there and maybe me or someone's preaching a sermon. And when they do, all of a sudden there's this feeling like, oh. And somebody says, you need to deal with that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to hide. You, you, you really need to come out of the woods with that. No. No, no, no. Adam says, when I heard your voice, I was afraid. And my first reaction was not to run to you, but it was to run away from you. Number four, fear also can be a stronghold of your mind. Go to 2 Timothy 1 and 7. It can be something that's in that, in that incredible computer that you have as a mind. In that incredible memory and all those electrons and neutrons and all those thoughts and all that you see and all you envision and all you dream and all inside that, inside that, there can be a problem. Listen to what the Bible says. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. It becomes like a close friend. It's a spirit that's always there. When somebody says, yes, you can. You ever have, you have friends around you that are always negative? One of my favorite lines or, or people is, is from Kelly's Heroes. Anybody ever watch the old war movie, Kelly's Heroes? Love it. Telly Savalas and, and all those guys, great actors. And, and Clint Eastwood, if you like, you ever heard of Clint Eastwood? He was in it. And he's Kelly. But, but there's this tank driver. And he's got his crew. And one of his buddies, and one of the mechanics on his team is called Moriarty. And I love the movie because, because he's like, oh, it's going to be, he's like one of these hippie style, you know, guys. So he's, oh, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to go do this and we're going to go do that. And then Moriarty's kind of this New Yorker style voice, you know, he's like, oh yeah, we're just going to go and get ourselves all killed. And we're going to, and he's like, oh, Moriarty. He said, Always hitting me with the negative vibes, Moriarty. You're always hitting me with the negative vibes. And I think about that because that's what fear does in our lives. It's like somebody that's with us all the time. And when we say something like, you know, we're going to do that, there's this, there's this spirit that just comes along and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to die. And it's always the negative vibes that keep coming. And God says, listen, I didn't give that to you. But what I gave to you was power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. I, I, that's what I gave into your life. Number four, number five. Fear then, fear is the opposite of faith. One person said it best. He said, when fear walks in, faith walks out. Or when faith walks in, Fear has to walk out. Both cannot stay in the same room. So when you're talking, you listen to yourself talk, which one is occupying the room of your mind? Which one is occupying? In fact, Hebrews 11 and 1, listen to this. Does this sound like fear? Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's totally opposite of fear. Fear is simply already dreading what I see, dreading what's coming, dreading all this, and, and, and I don't have any evidence, but yet I'm terrorized of what I... Faith says, listen, 
I know what I'm hoping for. I know the thing that I want. I know the thing that I want to see. I know the thing that I'm supposed to be. I know the thing that I'm supposed to overcome. I know the thing, but the problem is there's this thing in its way. That's stopping me. It's changing what I say. In fact, number six, fear in its deepest form. In its deepest form, fear is paralyzing. It's crippling. Go with me to Isaiah 40 and 31. See, I I could say it this way to you, that if I read you some of the greatest scriptures in the Bible, fear is just taking the greatest scriptures in the Bible and reversing them. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, fear is what? It's the dread of things that's coming. It's just flipping. All it is is flipping the greatest promises God's ever given you. You're taking the scriptures that God has given you and said, this is my word, fear me. And your flesh and your mind says, oh, no, 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 trust me, flip the words. He's lying to you. He's not telling you the truth. I'm trying to help you. So let's listen to another great scripture that God speaks. But those who wait on the Lord, and wait doesn't mean stopping or sitting or doing nothing. The word wait there literally means to be moving with anticipation. In other words, waiting means to be active with faith. Active with my faith. In other words, I'm just doing it, expecting the good to catch me. I'm doing it. He says, what happens to this person who waits on the Lord? Shall renew their strength. Whereas fear paralyzes, fear stops you, fear makes you dread. He says, oh, no, no. When you operate in faith, it gives strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Think of that opposite of fear. Fear causes you to stop. Fear causes you to say, I can't. Not me. I'm not able. Look, Brother Lot, just give me a few days. Let, let, me, let me think about it. Just, just, just give me a moment. Let me just kind of get my, let me get my mind around it, Brother Lot. Sometimes getting your mind around something is the worst thing you'll ever do. If God has said, let's do it, then you have a choice. By faith, then I start pursuing it. What's going to happen? You're going to get strength. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to not faint when others faint. It's amazing how the season I'm in right now, people are praying for me and, 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 and all, and I'm thankful and, and as we're pressing forward and all this. But I'm in that season right there where, where it's like, okay, fear grips me, but then what do you do? I run. I run toward it. And, and, and it's amazing because people will look at me and say, I don't see how you do it. I don't, I don't see how you handle all the pressure. I don't see how you handle. What does the Scripture say? If you're scared enough to run toward me, Tim. Anybody got scared enough to run toward him yet? Well, that's me. I'm so scared. My knees are knocking. I'm just running toward him. And he says, but Tim, here's my promise. If you're scared enough and you'll run toward me, then I'll renew your strength. Well, as soon as God gives me strength, I'm going to... You got to run while you're scared. You got to move while you're terrorized. Well, as soon as we get a few things... Oh, no, no, no. You got to do it right now. 
Tim, run right now. At 4.30 in the morning, Lord, get up now and start running toward me. Go ahead and start praying. Go ahead and start asking me. Go ahead and start speaking it. Go ahead and declare it. It's coming in from the east, the west, the south, and the north. You don't know where it's coming from, but it's coming. Go ahead and declare it, Tim. God, it's hard to do. I know it. Just start running. And all of a sudden, I start doing that, and I start speaking that it's going to turn. It's going to be good. God's going to send. God's going to bless. And all of a sudden, I feel something inside of me, and I can't explain it to you. All I can tell you is strength. That, that I look inside, I'm like, we're going to make it. How far are you going to make it? I can make it one more day. I can make it today. I can make it one more day. I can hold it together today. I can hold it together till lunch. And hopefully lunch will be good. And I can make it past lunch. I, I can hold it together for a little bit longer. I'm not quitting now. I'm running toward him. And he renews my strength. I mount up like wings of eagles. And I begin to fly where I normally could not fly. I see myself. I run and I don't get weary. I walk and I don't faint. That's how God wants you to live your life. It's the opposite of this. Let me share it with you in a short story. And it's not short, but I'm going to make it short. I love it because this story does not fix anything. Look at the person beside you and say, this story doesn't fix anything. It's not even the thing. It's the thing that's stopping the thing. That's that's the way. I've I've been dealing with this building here lately, and and it hit me just so hard. He said, Tim, that's the thing that's stopping the thing. And I'm like, what? He said, let's talk. Me and him get to walking and talking. He said, that's the thing that's stopping the thing. What's the thing, Tim? Well, the thing is these buildings. No, 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 no. What's the thing? Well, the thing is to have camp and kids getting saved and all this going on. And, man, that's what I, I, I can't wait to see. He said, that's the thing, Tim. That is the thing. He said, you just got the thing that's stopping the thing. And now you're focusing on the thing that's really not the thing. And he took me to this story, and it was like it was just all brand new again to me. And this is the story of Paul that's done told people before they just sail out, this is the worst time, it's hurricane season, and he looks at the sailors, and he looks at the Roman guards, and he's fixing to go to Rome, and that's where God's called him, because the thing is for Paul to get to Rome. That is Paul's calling. Paul is supposed to get to Rome, stand before Caesar, and declare the goodness of God. That is the thing. But there's another thing. He's in chains, and he's on a boat. And he looks at him and says, please, let's not sail. I'm telling you guys, I've been praying about this. This is not good. We need to just hunker down here till winter's over. And when winter's over, we can sail in better seas. No, we got a whole thing of wheat. We got all this wheat. We'll run. We'll lose it. We can't just stay here. We got to get to Rome and we're sailing. And so they head out. As soon as they head out, the Bible says in verse 14, starting up about there, we find that they hit a storm, a hurricane. So much so that I, don't, I, I think of boats. Now, I get on boats sometimes, and when I get on boats, you know, I, I'm, it, it's not too bad. But the Bible says that they had to pull the dinghies in and could barely get the dinghies who were all beat up and almost tore pieces. Not only did they do that, but they took ropes and, and put them under the ship and wrapped the ship up in a rope to keep the boards from coming apart. Now, I've been in a lot of boats, but I've never had to wrap my boat in a rope to hold it together, hoping I wouldn't sink. 
This is serious. They've done got to the point to where they can't sail in it. All the sailors are saying, we can't do anything with it. So what are you going to do? We're just going to drop all the sails. We're going to drop everything. The main mass has done fell over. We're, we're just, we're just going to drop all the sails, and we're just going to just let it take us wherever it takes us. Now, if you're like me and you know a little bit about water, the waves are not heading out to ocean. The waves are heading to some land. And you got no power. You done cut everything loose. You done said, we're just going to take it. We're just going to keep going. We're going to flow. No sun, no moon. You can't see where you're going. You're just at the beck of these waves. You can't control it. I'm talking about it is a thing that's messing up your thing. It's messing it up royally. In fact, the writer says, by this time, all hope that we would be saved was gone. So that means I'm never going to get to my thing. I'm going to die right here. What do you do when fear grips you? The Bible says the Apostle Paul then stands up on the deck and he says, after a long absence, he says, men, be of good courage. I've been with the Lord. Yes, we are going to lose the ship. But don't worry, not one of us on this ship will die. It'll be for a testimony unto God. And I love the part that hit me so powerfully. Before he steps on it, it sounds cool when you stand on the front of the deck telling everybody, it's going to be okay, we're going to make it. But two verses before that, when the angel's talking to Paul, the first thing the angel looks and says is, Paul, fear not. Man, when I heard that, it just broke me. Because I have this image of Paul, you know, just, just praying. And you know how you have those pictures of Jesus in the garden, his hair and his blue eyes, and you're like, and, and then there's this reality where Paul is like 14 days and he's, and he's like, man, I'm in chains. This thing is not going good. Last word I got was we were not supposed to be doing this. And now here I am. I don't forgot about, I don't forgot about Rome. I don't forgot about where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. I don't forgot about being a parent. I don't forgot about my raising my kid. I don't forgot about one day I'm going to do this. I don't forgot about that. I'm just now hanging on, just thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And the fear and the anxiety, and I love how the angel says it, Paul, don't be afraid. What does he tell him? He doesn't give him any nautical advice. He doesn't give him any, any type of information. Hey, here's how you need to turn the rudder, and here's what you need to tell, him, tell the boatman to do. He says, Paul, don't be afraid. You're destined to be at Rome. I don't care what it looks like right now, Paul. I don't care if right now with the kids if it feels like you're just drowning it. I don't care if it worked right now. It feels like we're not going to make it. I don't care that in your own mind and in your own life, I, I don't see how God can fix it. I don't see how it's going to work out. In the middle of all of that storm in your mind, in the middle of all that fear and anxiety that Paul and John and everybody else that's ever lived gets, and you're not going to be any different. We all have to deal with it. It is that mindset of, am I more in awe of God 
than I am at fear in what I'm in. Am I am more at all with God or am I more in fear of what the doctor told me? And he says, Paul, you got a choice. Listen to me. Be of good cheer. You're going to make it. You've got to get to Rome. Paul comes up on deck. He tells them the same thing the angels. Just imagine how it sounds. But one man heard him. The centurion who was over everything listened. That's important. It's important to speak it. Because all you need is the right person to hear it. Why is it so important? Because if you read the story, and I don't have time. But if you read the story, it's the centurion he goes to later and says, Hey, the people that drive the boat, they're trying to drop these little dinghies off the back and they're trying to get off the boat. That's the last thing we need. And, and I love how Paul says this. If they get off the boat, everything that God said is canceled. He said, we will perish if you let them get off this boat. they got to stay on the boat. And the Bible says this centurion, incredibly, this is, sounds so crazy. He orders for the other soldiers, he says, cut all the dinghies loose. Nobody's getting off the boat. Why is that important? Because then when they knew they couldn't escape, the very next verse says that the people who actually drive the boat started doing their job again and started seeing that, oh, oh, we're, we're at so many leagues. Oh, we're getting in shallower water. And they knew to, to cut loose the anchors that they had set bow And they turned the ship just the right way where it would go up in a trench and break up in a thing. And they all grabbed boards and they could do Why? Because it took everybody on board. It was a miracle, yes. But it's a God miracle. And the God miracles that you go through most of the time can be explained away. If you want to. So you can look at it and say, well, I'm so glad all these doctors come up with all this stuff and all this. Or you could say, I'm so glad there's a God that created people smart enough to be able to create medicines and create stuff and help us get through this. See, it's all in how you see it. You can say, boy, them guys, I'm so good that they, they, they were able to drive that ship and man, they saved everybody. Yeah. But it's a miracle that some of them that couldn't swim found a board. And it's a miracle the ones that could swim got on the shore safely. And it's a miracle that 276 people on a wrecked ship, not one of them perished. It's a miracle. Go with me to verse 44, and I want to show it to you. The final verse of that, and I'll tell you why I said it, it, it's a story, but it doesn't matter. It's a cool story. It's, it's one of the great Bible stories, but it doesn't matter. Because it's just the thing that was trying to stop Paul from getting to his thing. Listen to how he describes it. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that we all, it didn't accomplish anything. You know what we did through this one? We escaped. What are you trying to do with the thing? I just want to escape the thing. What are you trying to do, Pastor, through these buildings? I'm just trying to escape this season so I can get to my season. 
Anybody just trying to escape the season is the thing that's causing you to not get to your thing? You're just like, if I can just escape this. Because it's so easy for us then to focus and think this has become the thing. When five years from now, ten years from now, this won't even be a blip on the screen. But what you were meant to do is, go with me in your Bibles one more place and I'll wrap it up. Go to 1 John 4. Beginning at verse 15. So, Brother Lord, how do we overcome fear? Well, that's simple. It really is simple. It's really not hard. I'd, I'd like to tell you, you're going to have to sit with me. We're going to do six counseling sessions, and we'll have to do some extensive prayer, and I'll have to give you some Bibles. To... It's very simple. Here's what it says. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, and God abides in him, and he in God... Okay, so first thing, all I really got to do in my life to escape fear is, number one, you need to get really saved. Now, I ain't talking about come up front and let somebody shake your hand and tell you you're saved. I'm not telling you sign a piece of paper that tells everybody that you think you're saved. I'm telling you, there has to come a moment in your life where you actually believe what Easter is about. That you actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that He is alive. And in some realm beyond our visible seeing, He's there with the Father, waiting at the moment when the Father says, now you can go get your kids. Go get your family. We're waiting. Why is that important? Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love of God has for us. For God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So what happens is when I accept God and I accept Jesus and God comes rushing into my life and God saves me and the Holy Spirit comes into me and I have this transformation. It has to be a transformation. It can't be just something in your head. It has to drop the 18 inches. It has to take place throughout all of your life. There has to be a salvation saved from what I used to be to what I am now. And when that moment takes place, what floods into your life is the love of God. The love that tells you He's got you. He will protect you. He will. That's God that creates the universe. This this God that holds stars in place. This God who carves rivers with his fingers. This mighty God lives in me. And this mighty God loves me. And this mighty God calls me his kid. And this mighty God fights for me. This is the love that has rushed into my life. Brother God, that sounds good, but man, I've got stuff. Hold on. We're not through. I get saved. I know I'm saved because the love of God has pushed out everything. Man, I have people that get up from the altars. I know when they're saved. People ain't got three nickels to rub together. And they're like, but Lord, I'm going to start a bus ministry. I'm telling you, I'm like, that person just got saved. Why? Because they don't have the foggiest idea what they're talking about right now. They just, they, just love, they just feel loved. It's just like the first time you kissed a woman you really won't marry and you really loved and you just could, you're just like, I'll tell you what, man, whatever you want, I'm going to start buying you. I'm going to start taking baths. I'm going to start using deodorant. I'm going to tell you, whatever you want, baby, whatever it takes. Promise the stuff you don't even know how to do yet. Why? Because love just overwhelms you. And he says, when you feel this, verse 17 comes, Love has been perfected among us in this. Oh, hold on. 
So you feel love, but it's not perfect yet. See, I loved, fell in love with Elise, and, and, and man, I was buying shirts at Wilson's department store and, and buying cologne when I never wore cologne and, and eating in places I never ate. And, and I mean, I'm a McDonald's person. All of a sudden, she's like, I don't like McDonald's. And I'm like, I'm like, well, there's uh, Captain D's. I'm like, she's like, no. And so I had to learn to start eating in better places. And, and so what happened? Here's what happened. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of Notice what the Apostle Paul said. I've learned that in infirmities, in troubles, in my trials, I've learned that that's where I grow. In the knowledge of the love of God. I'm thankful for Corona. Why? Because it's just one more thing that made me had to run closer to God. It made me have to just pull. For some people now, it terrorizes them. It's just like, they just put the fear of God in them, as they say. But really, if they had the fear of God, it wouldn't be no fear at all. And Paul said, I love it. I love the shipwrecks. I love the destruction. Paul, that's, that's tough. I know it, but I found it's the only way to know. See, it wasn't in buying cologne and shirts and taking the lease to places I never ate. It was in us getting our first place and us watching bowl games by a little TV sitting on the kitchen counter while we were painting. See, those are memories I have. Remodeling an old house or watching her out there digging in the yard and trying to build flowers. It was in the struggle stuff of what, sitting there holding her hand when she had our children. It was in the moments where She'd be stressed out about one of our kids and she's sitting there. And I mean, she ought to be happy she's hugging on me. That's the greatest gift she could ever have and yet she's still not happy. So I'm like... <sighs> sitting there watching her worry about her children and going through... It. It's all of those moments. That's why I love her more today it's like when I'm preaching the wedding yesterday and people ask me, where's, where's Lisa at? Well, she's helping Caitlin get ready for her prom, her first prom. And she's right where she needs to be. It's in the struggles and the battles and the fights and the scratches and the failures that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so we are in this this world. That's why we're supposed to be an example to this world that tough times don't make us smaller. It don't make us pull back. It makes us go forward. Verse 18. There is no... Oh. See, getting rid of fear is easy. Because there is no fear when love has covered it. When you have that kind of love... see. I don't have any fear of Elise. I don't I don't check her car gauges to find out where she ran off to last week and whether she's meeting some guy somewhere or whether she spent all my money. I do worry about that sometimes, I have to admit. <laughs> I'd be lying if I didn't say that. But 
But I don't wake up in the morning with, oh, Lord, I bet Alicia's going to leave me today. No. Perfect love drives out all fear. And I feel the same way about God. Not because I go to church, because I've done life with Him. And I'm like, oh, I ain't worried about God. God ain't quitting on me. He could have quit on me a million times before now. He ain't going to do it now. It casts out all fear. For fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in. So if you've got fear today, it's not because you're a bad person, it's because there isn't fear. There is, but the problem is you can't drive it out unless the love of God is strong enough to push it away. We love Him because He first loved us. God is greater than you think. And God is also bigger and greater than the thing that's trying to keep you away from your thing. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know who you are in here today. But that thing that keeps rearing its head and saying, I will keep you from getting there. Perfect love drives it out. And the faster you run to Him, and the harder you grow to Him, and the more you cry out to Him, the faster that thing will fade away. Will you stand? I want to ask you a question today. Has fear, has fear stopped you? Has it stopped you? You've stopped talking about how it's going to be, how... Because God gave you a word. God gave you one out of His Bible and said, Hey, raise them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. But you've changed that because of fear. You know what? I don't know how this thing's going to work out. I don't, Lord, it's allowed to all just blow up and be bad. No. Do you remember that all things work to good to those who love the Lord? and are called according to His purpose? Has fear caused you to take something God has spoken in your life? Try to change the words. This morning, as they sing whatever they're going to sing here in a second, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm you're dismissed as far as you can go to your Sunday school classes and do, but there may be somebody here that you need to deal with a thing that's messing up your thing, that's keeping you away from the thing that you were meant to do. And you don't need to run to Sunday school. You don't need to run back to your car. You don't need to run back to your house and turn on the TV and hope it all goes away. 
You need to run to Him. Because He loves you. And that love that He shares over you and pours over you and that presence that you spend time with Him, that's the thing I pray over my kids all the time. I pray that all the time. God, let them feel Your presence. Wherever they're at, they may not be where they're supposed to be at the moment, but let them feel Your presence. Because love drives out fear. Let them know, God, afresh and anew, you love them. That you love them before they ever thought about loving you. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to run to him today. I'm carrying guilt. I'm carrying fear. I'm froze right now, just froze. And I know I need to be moving. Then run to him. These altars are designed to run to Him. Father, thank You today. As they begin to sing, we are dismissed. But Father, if there's people that need to come to You, let them do it right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.